It's that time of the day. It's the Forestry Sports Show. Let's get it. You look back on your career, and obviously you've had a lot of wins, a lot of success. What do you hope to be remembered for when people talk about you? You know, I think when we have our first meeting in August, I always talk about to these players that, you know, the most important thing is is that people will remember who, who the person you were. They won't remember how many home runs that Matt Walner hit. They won't remember how many wins Nick Sandlin had. Those, those numbers will fade, but the person you are and the teammates you are, the coach you are, how you care for people and how you try to build people and mold people that are around you, that's what they'll remember the most. And, you know, that's, that's a big part of who I am. You know, as I've gotten older, I understand the big picture. You know, the wins are part of it. The losses come with it. But it's these guys, when they're done, you know, what do they do then? You know, what, what kind of impact are they going to make in the community? We know what they can do on the field. What are they going to do in the community? And that's part of the that's part of our our program. You know, I really feel that's that's a big part of our program moving forward. So, welcome back to Fourth Street Sports Show. I'm your host Dima Mixon, along with Jackson Kennedy, as always, here to kind of recap and put a final bow on the 2023 baseball season, falling. Once again, just short of making the College World Series in Omaha, Nebraska, Southern Miss losing to Tennessee, as everybody listening to this knows, in the early morning hours of Tuesday morning, uh, Monday night. Um, I left the uh, stadium at about 3 o'clock or 2.30 or 3 o'clock, Jackson, so it was a really late night. Uh, we wanted to start that pod- this podcast with that quote from Scott Barry, um, just Jackson, one of the most emotional press conferences I've ever been in. You know, I was sitting in the front um, and I was biting my lips so hard that it was bleeding, trying not to cry. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, you cover the team for, I mean, I, I did all the hours and I think I worked 250 to 270 hours on baseball this season, just uh, covering the team, you know, interviewing and all that stuff from from um, from fall baseball world series last fall to um in january watching practices and um you know beginning of february when we're starting to get those media days press conferences and then all the games i went to i think i missed like a, a max of three home games and uh but i watched every single one of them you just and i told uh told my my dad this you just get a different you know, you, you feel the hurt as a fan, like when you're a fan and you feel the hurt, like, oh, we were so close, all that stuff. But as a journalist, it's like a alternate type of hurt. And like you just you feel like a pain for the players because you've like connected with them on an on an emotional that's like respectable level, but like an emotional respectable level. So like and I'll tell you the story and then I'll we'll bring in here. So about two o'clock, you know, we're, we're writing and editing the photos and getting the press conference and all that stuff. I mean, Dustin Dickerson is sitting out on a shortstop um, position, just sitting there, you know, crying. And then Danny Lynch comes out and sits in his third base position and he's sitting there and just taking it all in. They stand up and like put their hands on their head and like looking around Pete Taylor Park one final time. Um, and then 
they walk to the dugout and Danny comes out uh, of the dugout with a ball and a baseball bat. And um, it's, you know, two in the morning and he goes to home plate. He tosses up the ball, hits the ball as hard as he can. And he, he doesn't hit it out of the park, but um, it was like the only smile I saw out of them because they are laughing that Danny couldn't hit it out of the park on like him tossing it up to himself. So, uh, and then uh, just a few minutes after that, Tanner Hall came out to the mound and took a knee. And I, I guess he was praying or something because, you know, this place has meant a lot to him. And, um, and so he, he did his final little, you know, where he motions his foot on the mound before he takes a pitch. He did that one final time before stepping off. And, you know, Jackson, there, there was a lot of emotions Monday night. And, and it's just, it was just an incredible atmosphere. And I know that you were in the crowd. You were there waiting through the rain delay. Um, and we can talk about the game, I guess. But just what were some of the emotions from the from what you got, and um, how would you how would you define this baseball season? I would define this baseball season as a as surprised optimism. Um, if you were to tell the average Southern Miss fan that after losing Will McGillis, Gabe Montenegro, eight pitchers, that Southern Miss would be one win away from Omaha, any Southern Miss fan would take that. You know? Um, yeah. We enter the season knowing not much about the pitching staff besides, oh, hey, Tanner Hall's pretty good. Hey, maybe Justin Storm will be good like he was against LSU. But other than that, there were a lot of unknowns. A lot of people didn't know a lot about this pitching staff, which is perfectly fine. You know, they were mostly young guys, redshirt freshmen, true freshmen, transfers. Um, All of the guys that appeared during the weekend left. The MLB drafted five of them. One of them graduated, one of them transferred, and one of them had to get Tommy John surgery. So we didn't know anybody on the staff. Um, there, was a, there was a big hole at second base, a big hole in center field, and nobody knew what it was going to look like. Nobody knew what this team was going to look like. Um, I remember I was sitting uh, at my first game this season and I had, you know, I I like to strike up conversation with people wherever I go. So if you, if you see me in the street or recognize my voice uh, at a game or something, come talk to me, man. I I talk, my my, my girlfriend says I could talk to a wall and I'm pretty sure I have at some point, but um, I was just talking to some fellow fans and they're like, yeah, we're going to suck this year. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like it's still, it's still coach Barry. It's still coach Oz. It's still Tanner Hall, Christopher Sargent, Dustin Dickerson, Danny Lynch, Big Tuna. Like, you still got all these guys. Um, But a lot of people expected this to be a rebuild or a reload year. Like, oh, the pitching's going to suck, and we're just going to have to wait on the bats to heat up. But this was a lot of um, exceeded expectations for a lot of people. Um people didn't realize how good this team was and how good they could be. And it's so, it's so, it's almost like a funny kind of sad, you know, 
everybody thought that this team would be meh, you know? I mean, they, they, they were picked to win the Sun Belt, but purely off of their performance last year. No one knew what this team was going to be like this year, except for, you know, the position players were great. Tanner Hall was great. Everything else was unknown. Um, And then they were really, really good as soon as they figured themselves out. Yeah. And people started saying, hey, wait, we can go to Omaha. And I remember on my first appearance of the Forest Street Sports Show, uh, whenever I, I had just interviewed to, to join and I was brought on as a guest. It was right after the Coastal Carolina series. And I said, I think Southern Miss could still go to Omaha. They're like, no, I, 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 mean, I didn't even say Omaha. No, I said, I think Southern Miss could still host a, a regional. And I remember you looked at me like I was an idiot. Like, <laughs> I don't know about that, man. And then, uh, and then a couple other people in the studio just kind of looked at me. And to be fair, Southern Miss did not host a regional. But they did host a super regional for the second year in a row. And as soon as everyone found out just how good this team was, just how much they wanted it, the expectations were not the ones of last year. of Like, oh, this team could go to Omaha. The expectations then became, oh, this team could win the entire World Series. And so expectations shifted in the, in the latter third of the year where everyone just immediately went from this team stinks to this team's all right, but, but we're not going anywhere. And then this team could win the whole dang thing. And that's what hurt. It was, you got your expectations up so high as an average fan, because this team has so much talent, so much potential and then seeing how much they wanted it. And then Scott Barry announces retirement and then seeing how much the players wanted it for him just to send him to Omaha. And then it didn't happen in the worst way possible. You were right there just on the precipice of it. And I feel like that that's what made it the most emotional is everyone knew this was Scott Barry's last game in Pete Taylor Park. And everyone wanted it to go off with a bang. Everyone wanted to send him off. I mean, I was, I'm not even going to lie. I was ready to rush the field. If Southern Miss had pulled off that victory Monday night, Dima, you would have seen me along with thousands and thousands of people on that field, most likely. <laughs> um, but like, then it didn't happen. It, it didn't happen. And, uh, and it hurt. It, it hurt a lot. Uh, as a fan, I'm, as a fan, a lot of people were upset. I there there were few dry eyes as I was walking back to my car, which that should tell you just how good this team was, just how much this team defied expectations. If 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 the same people saying that Southern Miss may not even go to us, like like may not even be a two seed at a regional. If those same people are crying at the end of the season because they were that close to Omaha, it just tells you like this team was special. This was a really, really special group of guys. Um, this is a team that I will remember for the rest of my life. They have some of my favorite athletes in Southern Miss history on it, just for the 
the feats they've accomplished, yes, but for the people they are. Um, Dustin Dickerson, the moxie on that guy is incredible. Tanner Hall deserves a statue. Christopher Sargent is one of the most fun players to watch because he will just pull the most clutch plays of all time defensively. Like he'll get a 110 mile an hour ball coming at him right into his glove. And then Danny Lynch, I don't even need to say anything. You and I both know Dima. That, that, that guy is a dog. Um, and I'm, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss seeing these guys wearing black and gold, but the fact that they could exceed the expectations at the start of this season by a lot means a lot. And so I, I would say it was bittersweet because nobody expected it. And nobody, nobody expected to get this far. Hell, nobody expected to host a Super Regional at the start of the season. But they did it. And I think Southern Miss is still on the right track. A lot of people are already saying that Southern Miss is going to stink next year in baseball. But people said that about this year. And if you look at I, I think it was a Patrick McGee made a great chart on Twitter. And it was like, hey, Southern Miss was five wins away from Omaha, then, then four, then three wins away from Omaha. And then last year, Southern Miss was two wins away from Omaha. And this year they were one. So mathematically, Southern Miss has a shot. Um, but yeah, just very, very special season. Very, very special group of guys. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. It, it was definitely a special season. It was definitely a, a special group of guys. You know, I remember standing on the field um, at the uh, Mississippi State game in Pearl. I remember seeing Southern Miss drop that um, that game. I think it was – Eight, nine, or ten—something I don't remember. It was a one-run game. Southern Miss blew it in the eighth inning. Um, they were up four runs and gave up like a five spot or something. And I remember saying on the instant re- recap on the video on the field, and I said, "You know, the, the, this team—they have a lot to figuring out to do, um, but don't hit the panic button, right?" And I remember that actually being—I did a solo podcast by myself back in like. March after the um, Ole Miss game or whatever it was. And it, it was still kind of like, well, you know, they, they don't look that good. <laughs> and I was like, don't hit the panic button. Don't hit the panic button. And just let them figure it out. And I think that Southern Miss coming into the season, the expectations were so high that it was almost unrealistic to what they could do. And, you know, the players who were supposed to look, who were supposed to be great this season, didn't start off great. Um, you know, I mean, Christopher Sargent was struggling to be in the two hundreds for the first month and a half of the season. You know, and Tanner Hall wasn't having his best outings. Um, the bullpen was in shambles, it seemed at times, and um, you know, you weren't really having any consistent play at the plate at all, and. But then something just clicked after that that Coastal Carolina series, and and they always kept coming back to it that, you know, we got punched in the mouth with the Coastal Carolina. We got punched in the mouth, and, and we had to respond. And they didn't lose back-to-back games from then until the Super Regional. You know, so that is an incredible – whatever Coach Barry said in that room after that second Coastal Carolina game, 
you know, it changed the whole season. And, you know, I remember Coastal was a battle for first place in the Sun Belt and all that stuff. And they just came out and just started blowing out teams in the latter half of the season. They won the Sun Belt Tournament Championship. You know, they, they won the Auburn Regional and they got one win away. And, you know, I think obviously fans are disappointed. Obviously, you know, everybody on that team wanted to pack their bags and be in Omaha this afternoon for uh, for, for, for some baseball. But I would argue that this season was an absolute success, given what they had coming back. I mean, I bet you could take the 2017 team, last year's team, and the 2022 team. I mean, I could name a couple of teams that Scott Berry had that were better as far as 1 through 40 on the roster than this team was. But this team just had magic with them that you just couldn't deny at points in the season. And what what really happened was for the second year in a row, they played a team that could exploit their weakness. And last season, it was Ole Miss. They could exploit the the lineup's weakness by throwing a left-hander because last year, Southern Miss was just terrible against lefties. And um, when their bats went cold, you know, it was just a disaster. And then this year, you felt like, you know, the bats should be better, but they generally, if they ran into a team with elite pitching or somewhat good pitching, it took them a while to figure it out on the batting side. And even in the past the Coastal Series. I mean, the pinned, the pin game on um, Sunday night of the Auburn Regional is a prime example, right? Where they're facing a really good pitching lineup. I mean, that was a very, very good bullpen. Pin, I mean, I think all of them were sub-3 or sub-4 ERA. They had the best ERA in the tournament. Obviously, they showed it by beating Auburn and Samford on back-to-back nights. And I think it was, what, 2-1 to one in the 8th? I mean, in that Sunday night matchup, I mean, it just took a while for Southern Miss to figure it out against elite arms. And when you're playing a Tennessee who has probably the best bullpen in the country, I mean, it's up there. You know, you have guys who are coming out in the sixth inning throwing 101. I mean, that's just not something that Southern Miss sees. It's just not. And nothing about the Super Regional I, I think is on the pitching staff. I think the pitching staff was terrific. I mean, me and um, Glenn Dyer of 247 Sports, a great friend of the show, um, and a couple other guys, Jeff Hager, for instance, we were talking about before the game on Monday night, um, you know, this it, we, we really felt like Southern Miss would need to do a lot on the offensive side to win because we thought that they were going to at least need eight or nine runs because we didn't we thought that Tennessee would be able to hit Nico Monza just because they see that velocity and then the, the arms coming behind Nico. I mean, I, I didn't know what we would see from Matthew Adams. I didn't know if we'd see Will Armistead, you know. So, but but they they held them to five runs. And, I mean, re- theoretically, one pitch difference, it's two to nothing game. I mean, you, you have to give credit to Tennessee to be able to hold the lineup down but Jackson, I mean, top of the seventh, 
you get the first two runners on the corners with no outs, and you have the top of the lineup up with Matthew Etzel, Dustin Dickerson, and Slate Wilkes. There's nobody else in that lineup who you want up other than your first three guys. They all three strike out in a row, and I think that just – if there is any hope at that point for Southern Miss to get back in the game, that just took away all of it. And the bottom line is there's nobody else Southern Miss would have wanted up in that scenario. I mean, you're, you're not going to want the bottom of your lineup up, right? You want the top of your lineup up with runners on the corners and no outs, and that guy came in and threw gas by all three of them and struck out all three of them. In at bats that weren't really even particularly that close. I mean, so you know, you could argue that there's a couple of ways they could have won that game Monday night. But the bottom line is Southern Miss had their shot. I mean, they were up four nothing in that game too. And I really feel like there is a lot of outside problems that hurt Southern Miss's chances this weekend. Uh rain being one of them. I feel like if the rain delay doesn't happen Saturday, Billy goes seven or eight innings and then you, you know that quick turnaround of game one and game two where you have – you won game one, you're one win away from Omaha, and you got to play in 40 minutes. I mean, it was just weird. There was a lot of weird things that happened, and it's just unfortunate when things outside the game affect the game, especially at this level. But Southern Miss had their opportunity, and they couldn't get it done against, in my opinion, a better Tennessee team. But I feel like Southern Miss – really did compete the best they could. Like, I don't think that there was anything they could have done better other than the four errors on Sunday, obviously. But Monday night, I mean, it wasn't like they just, like, threw the game. I mean, they competed as best they could. But just Tennessee was able to exploit a weakness, and it came up in the worst possible time for Southern Miss. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, It was... Which is what makes it more painful, in my opinion, because it's like any other situation. Or like if one, if you know this this team is very very momentum driven. Uh, it was all season. Um, in games Southern Miss was losing, they could then put up a six spot in the ninth, yeah. with two outs and just consistent hits. And I, I remember on the Sunday game against Teddy Sharkey for for Coastal Carolina. He strikes out a couple and then does his little dance, waves his chains, whatever that little fella did. Whatever it did, it must have worked for Southern Miss because they got mad. Seven consecutive hits. You know, yeah. it's very, very momentum driven. And I just keep thinking, man, if just that would have happened or if one thing would have happened, you know, there's so many tiny things that if that one thing would have happened, this entire series changed. But um, yeah, I, I've kind of stopped thinking about the games. I, I thought about it a good bit on Tuesday. We are recording this on a Thursday. Um, I've stopped thinking about the game or the weekend, really, in general. And I've just kind of started thinking to, to next year. Uh, and I, I'm not going to dwell on it. So that's one thing I'm trying to work on personally is not dwelling on things. Uh, and one of the big things is uh, if I were to describe this season in two words, I would say unlikely heroes. Because if you remember at the start of the season, Tanner Hall was not doing well. Uh, it was Nico Maza and Matt Adams getting Sunbelt Pitcher of the Week, not Tanner yeah. Hall. Right. It was Cross Sively 
coming in in relief. And we're like, what the heck is Coach Oz doing putting a freshman out here against this kind yeah. of a hard-hitting team? And Cross Sidley goes bananas. Like, he's like, oh, my God, I could talk about that guy for hours. And then you have uh, Nick Monastere coming in, demolishing the ball in his first at-bat for a RBI triple. First collegiate at-bat ever, RBI triple. Mm-hmm. Um just unlikely heroes. And the good thing is the vast majority of these unlikely heroes are likely to return. So uh, with that, I wanted to segue into uh, a rapid fire question that we got uh, from one of the fans. So this is from Monarch Nation, Florida. So an old Dominion fan who Nick Monastery hit that triple off of. <laughs> but yes, thank you so much for commenting. Uh, that 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 thank you so much for commenting. And Monarch Nation Florida asks, "Will USM have a core of guys likely to return?" Yeah. Um, well, I, I well, yeah. Well, let's go down the lineup. So Southern Miss, you know, they're going to lose Danny Lynch, number one. Um, so you, you, that's a big core guy that you're losing. <laughs> I mean, been here for. For years, you're going to lose uh, Gabe Lacey. He's going to be a senior. Chris Sargent, um, you're losing him. Um, Rodrigo Montenegro, Blake Johnson, both with catchers, uh, both gone. Um, Reese Ewing, is your, is, he's a senior, so he's gone. Um, and then the other senior on the team is Luke Trahan. You didn't see him that much this season, but he would be gone as well. Um, I, I'm a, Obviously, as far as the draft goes, um, I, you're expected to lose Tanner Hall, obviously. Um, you're expected to lose uh, Justin Storm, um, Slade Wilkes, potentially. Really? Um, I thought he was a sophomore. I think he's a junior, yeah. Dang, that sucks. Yeah. And then um, – yeah, junior. <laughs> I had to check that. And then uh, Matt Etzel – just the four tool process he brings, he's definitely eligible to be drafted. So that'll, I mean, I, I think Matthew Etzel and Slade Wilkes will be bubble players to look at for Southern Miss to be watching the draft closely to see if both of them go. Um, I feel like Dustin Dickerson's draft stock went up. If he gets plugged in that, you know, back half of the draft rounds, you know, that right at the end there. Um, I don't, you know, Matthew Adams, he's draft eligible. I don't, I don't think he goes. Um, and then Nico Mazza is also draft eligible, but I, I would assume Nico's back for sure. Um, so you lose, you know, practically your entire infield right there with Lynch, Dickerson, and Sargent, and both catchers. Um, you get Monastere back. Um, they just got a transfer from BYU yesterday. It's Ozzie Pratt. Um, as a, he's a shortstop transfer. He was a starter for them all the games for BYU. He hit a um, 305 average. Uh, he had four home runs on the season and uh, 25 RBIs. So pretty nice little get there for Southern Miss to get a starter from BYU baseball. Um, and then two transfers for Southern Miss, Holland Towns. Um, he uh, he uh, entered the draft according to D1 Baseball as I'm looking around here. Um, Bryce Fowler also entered the transfer portal according to D1 Baseball. Um, and then um, Casey Ortiz, 
um, also entered the transfer portal. So those are kind of the immediate transfers. I'm looking at the D1 baseball site right now. So, um, and we'll, we'll we'll definitely update you throughout the next month or so, because there's going to be a lot of moving pieces as far as transfers and drafting and all that stuff um, for baseball. But as far as the, the lineup goes, I mean, you're, you're losing a lot, Jackson, and, you know, but you have a lot of talent who's on the roster now that um, can step into those places, but you're going to have a lot of players that, you know, aren't as experienced. It's not going to be as veterans of a team as it was this year. Creek Robertson um, could come in, give you something in the infield. Um, you hope to have Tate Parker back for next season. Graham Crawford, very, very talented catcher who I assume will be catching a lot of games next season. Um, you know, you obviously, like you said, Nick Monastere, they'll have him back. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about Nick Monastere going to um, to be uh, thinking about getting into the transfer portal. He did tweet out um, yesterday, very grateful for the season and all the love and support the fans give us. Can't wait to see y'all out there next year. Hashtag Southern Miss to the top. So hopefully that, that would indicate he's not going to consider a transfer. Um, and then um, obviously cross civilly back. Um, JB Middleton, he'll be back. He did some really good things this year. He showed. I, I mean, he's I'm so player. ready to see him. Yeah. I'm so ready. To see and him. then, um, you know, Brady Faust, he'll be back. Um, Matthew Russo is going to be your first baseman, most likely for next season. Um, really, really great. 6-3, can pound the ball. He'll be a nice power that you're losing with Sargent. Um, you know, I, I, I would assume Billy Oldham's back. Nico Mazza is going to be back. Um, I would assume. I don't think Nico gets traded, drafted. But also, I mean, it's possible. Like like we, like we last year, you saw some of those arms that you thought you'd have back. Uh, Chandler Best, uh, who suffered from the Tommy John surgery, he should be back and ready to go next season, you'd think. Um, and then Will Armstead will be back. Chandler Dawson will be back. Um, I, I think Justin Storm gets drafted. We can debate that, but I think he gets drafted. He's a six seven lefty. You know the MLB likes that. And his draft stock went skying high uh, over the postseason. I think I saw a tweet. He's like, yeah, there was some crazy line, but uh, I also have Carson Peto back in right field, so that'll be a really good veteran guy to have back. Played a lot of big baseball games, um, and then you know some of the guys who you haven't really seen a lot, uh, Colby Allen and Chase Adams. You know, so a lot of young guys on the team this year, but next year they'll be stepping into roles where they're going to need to um, be ready to play, and you hope that they they can jump into those roles with. Um, with with um, coaching from a new head coach with Coach Ostrander. So a completely new era starting next baseball season that uh, everybody's probably really intrigued to see. Yeah, I could not have answered that better in any form. Um, just going to highlight a couple. I think – I so we all saw – Carson Peto in the 2022 season leadoff hitter hit a walk-off run rule grand slam. He's like power hitter. Uh, and everyone has a sophomore slump, but his sophomore slump was still a very impressive season. You know what I mean? I think Carson Peto had a great season. Obviously 
didn't hit as many home runs as 2022, but he provided hits where hits were needed, and he can smack the crap out of the ball. And I think his defensive play only improved uh, th- this year. I, I since since uh, I've been watching games in the standing room only section, I just get to sit in a lawn chair and watch him make some incredible plays, and. I, I'm excited to see him step into a leadership position this upcoming year because, I mean, it really, it will be him, Tate Parker, and Nick Monastere, and those will be the position players that were playing at all this past year. So I would not be surprised if Carson Pato became a, a, a captain or something like that. I'm not going to try, obviously try and predict it, but I think with his experience – with his overall demeanor, like if you haven't gotten to meet him, genuinely one of the best guys out there. Incredibly humble, super great guy, and I, I, I think, I think this season, I think this upcoming season, will hinge a lot on the these few guys that have been in these situations before, really taking the younger guys in. And that's what Justin Storm and very, very much Tanner Hall did for this pitching staff. And that's, I mean, it took a little bit of time to figure out for the pitching staff, but they did so well. And seeing, it, well, getting to listen to Tanner Hall in interviews talk about, hey, yeah, I'm going to talk with Billy Oldman, break down the lineup, just tell him how it is and kind of help prep him. That's incredible to watch. And just, you know, it's, it's a really special thing, and I'm excited to see. While, of course, I'm very upset that a lot of these seniors are and are going, and a lot of these people will be drafted. It's an exciting time because a lot of these young prospects that we've heard about, or maybe not even heard about, are going to get to step into the to, are going to get to step into the limelight. So, I think this upcoming year, uh, to answer your question, there is a core of guys. It is smaller much smaller than it was last year, Monarch Nation, Florida. But the core guys, Tate Parker, Carson Pato, Nick Monastere, I couldn't think of three better guys to return and kind of take these guys up under their wing. Yeah, and as far as, you know, who comes back, I mean, how big would it be for Southern Miss to retain Excellent Wilkes. Um, if they could get those guys back, that would just be ginormous. Um, um, so I think a lot of Slummers fans will be looking at the draft, be watching carefully. Um, I feel like at the start of the season, it seemed like a long shot for Excellent Wilkes to be back. But towards the end of the season, I feel like, you know, I mean, you kind of, I mean, I think it's a pretty, pretty close, honestly. So we'll see what happens. Uh, obviously, um, but I think, like Jackson said, this is a program that's in a good spot for next season. And, you know, there's still a lot to happen between now and when the transfer portal closes and when the MLB draft is over. Um, the MLB draft is July 9th through the 11th. So definitely be checking into our social media sites and all that stuff when all that's going down because um, you'll know a lot after that and uh, we can definitely talk about it for sure after the MLB draft Jackson um, Scott Barry um, <laughs> you know there's there's a lot of things to say about Scott Barry but 
Um, I just loved what Danny Lynch had to say about him, and I want to play this clip from the press conference. So uh, just listen to this, what Danny Lynch said. Yeah, I think a big part of Coach Barry's legacy is just, you know, I played with probably 100 or so guys while I was here, probably more than that. Uh, you're going to see so many of them become good fathers, good husbands, good people out in the community, and that's that's the biggest thing he does here is he builds good men. Uh, that's that's the biggest thing to me about Coach Barry's legacy. Jackson, I mean – it, it's hard not to shed a tear Monday night when Scott Perry is making that final walk to their team meeting after the game, and he stops and salutes uh, salutes the um, the crowd with his hat and the crowd. You you know Tennessee is dogpiling, and all the cameras and all the media people are on Scott Perry and what's happening with him walking off. Uh, and it was a cool moment when Tennessee players like saluted him. Um, just walk, walk us through that quote from Daniel Lynch. I mean, Daniel Lynch is trying to keep it together in that post-game press conference. Also, if you've not gone and watched it, you need to go watch it. It's it's powerful stuff. Um, and the man that Scott Barry has ha, has been, and he, what what we started the show with with his quote about what he wants to be remembered by, um, I think he's fulfilled that to the absolute T. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I was I was talking with one of my buddies who who goes to Ole Miss, and I was telling him like, I think Scott Barry is the greatest college baseball coach of all time, and not because of any amount of wins, not because of any amount of championships, but because of the caliber of man that he helps make. Uh, there is a stereotype that exists that I believed for a while about baseball players and, you know, cocky, brash, talk smack, disrespect fans, like, oh, you're just a fan. Uh, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the player, like all that stuff. And then I started getting to have conversations with players who have played under Scott Barry. Incredible stuff. It, it's incredible. Um, I, I want to say they're like, you know, just real down to earth guys, but, but, but they're more than that. They are guys that genuinely care about every interaction that, that they have with you. I've had, I had a class with Nico Maza. I've talked with Carson Pato. Like I've gotten to, I've gotten to hold conversations with, with a couple of these guys and they're, they all care deeply and you can tell how they act. And then if you watch Scott Barry, you can tell a lot of them are emulating him, which if we could all have our children play under or just learn from Scott Barry, the world would be a much better place. That guy, he is so humble, so kind, so understanding, and he knows when to get fired up. And man, I love it. I love seeing the crowd's reaction. Uh, that That's going to be one thing I miss is, uh, is the standing ovation every time that Scott Barry goes after an umpire. That's it's incredible because, you know, watching the postgame press conferences and seeing how he is normally, it's just such a huge difference. Uh, but just what a legacy this guy is leaving behind. I, I, I said it. I said it during the Twitter space and I'll say it again. I, I said it during the Twitter space after uh, after Southern Miss won the Auburn Regional and it's tradition of excellence. There is a reason why that quote isn't cheesy. I'm 
I'm a pretty pessimistic person when it comes to slogans. Like, seeing the SEC It Just Means More slogan made me so ungodly angry, and I still talk with my friends about how much it just pisses me off just looking at them. Like, like that that's just the dumbest quote ever. And, and oftentimes, quotes that organizations will use come off half-baked and kind of cheesy. But man, Scott Barry, with a tradition of excellence, you could not put it better. Excellence on the field. Excellence more so off the field. An excellent caliber of play. Consistently, one of the least funded baseball programs in the top 25, if not the least funded program in the top 25, but consistently reaching the top 25. Ninth in attendance two years in a row, Dima. Two years in a row, ninth in attendance, with a smaller stadium than the vast majority of the top 50. More wins, more conference championships, more regional appearances, seven straight 40 plus win seasons, seven straight regional appearances, two straight regional wins, two straight super regional hosts, a tradition of excellence. And the thing is, after all of those accolades, after all of those huge wins, Scott Berry says he wants to be remembered by, you know, the person he is, the caliber of man he helped build. When asked about Scott Berry, Danny Lynch said, we're all going to be better fathers, all going to be better husbands because of him. He didn't say, oh, I was a better baseball player because of him. Oh, you know, I, I, a bunch of my teammates are going to get drafted, and that's because of Scott Berry. No, he didn't say that. He didn't mention he barely mentioned that at all, if any, if any player mentioned it. Most, if not all of them, the only thing they talked about was how good of a man he is and what he's instilled in them. And that is that's one of the most special things a person can do for anyone, especially, especially a baseball coach. So um just I I don't know. It's it, it's incredible to watch. And makes it so much more bittersweet to see come to a close. And I know that Coach Oz is a fantastic coach, incredibly talented. But by God, Dima, he's got some massive, massive shoes to fill. Yeah, and you could say the same for Scott Barry. I mean, coming in after Corky Palmer, after the 2009 um baseball season, you know, I think it's very similar. Um, And if you haven't had a chance to go read Rick Cleveland's article in the Mississippi today, um, where, um, you know, Rick Cleveland, obviously one of the (laughs) most polished sports writers in Mississippi, obviously, and he does just incredible work. And, um, you know, from his article, he talked about, you know, before the field was replaced with artificial turf that Scott Berry would make long hours in the park, just making sure that the the field was immaculate. He says, quote, every blade of grass, every speck of dirt had to be just right End quote. And, um, he, he, uh, Rick continues by saying, quote, his daughter, Catherine Grace, who's in college now was a tiny girl said, daddy, Catherine Grace asked her father one day on the field at Pete park. Is this your garden? End quote. And as Rick goes on to say in this article, this is what Scott Berry has built. 
And if you had a chance to read my article um, after the game, he has built, don't mind my dog if you can hear it. (laughs) Uh, He has built this unbelievable garden and built it up to for Southern Miss fans to expect not only to win regionals, but to win super regionals and be in super regionals at a point. That's a point in baseball that Southern Miss hasn't ever been in. And now it transitions to another man to take that and see the, the, the sprouting of what garden of what of the garden that Scott Berry has planted. And you can see the, just everything that Scott Berry has done in Southern Miss baseball is now shifted to a new era where Christian Ostrander, you know, he can make it his own, but he's going to be receiving what Scott Berry built. He's going to be receiving what Corky Palmer built. He's going to be receiving what Hill Denson's vision was of this baseball program. And it, it has to be a heavy role to be in for, for coach, for coach Oz. But I think it's one that Scott Barry would not retire if he did not know that Southern Miss baseball wasn't being left in the best hands possible. And it's the same thing. Corky Palmer wouldn't have left when Corky Palmer left in 2009, it was almost a given that Scott Barry was going to be the head coach. It was a seamless transition. He wouldn't have left if he didn't know what he built would be put in good would be left in good hands. Scott Barry would not be leaving if he did not know what he built was being left in good hands. And of course, you know, Coach Onstrander, he's never been a head coach at a major university like this. Like, but Scott Barry hadn't either, you know? And look what he did. So I I think it's just an an amazing obviously it's an immaculate career that we could not spend five hours on a pod. We could spend five hours talking about on a podcast, just about everything he's done. But like Jackson said, and I think Jackson said it perfectly, the players didn't say that he made me become a greater baseball player, right? They didn't talk about how it was Scott Berry, the reason they're getting drafted. It's not Scott Berry, the reason Matt Walner's, you know, in the major league right now, hitting for the twins and all that. They all said, if you go back on, if you go on the Southern Miss Athletics YouTube page, you can see, uh, a thank you, Scott Barry video, and it's like all the players on people who Scott has touched saying why they touched him. And every single one of them said, you know, he made me a better man. And and I think that how we started this podcast with Scott Barry talking about, you know, he wants to be remembered for that. He doesn't care his accolades. He's seen the championships. He's seen all that. But he wants to be remembered for what he did to the players he coached, to the community he was around and that Jackson he fulfilled and he better enjoy retirement <laughs> because he's given Southern Miss so much to be thankful for that he deserves an unbelievable amount of respect. And I just cannot wait until they retire that number because that's going to be uh, a ceremony unlike any other because they better retire that number. <laughs> <laughs> and um, So, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, a really good way of putting it. And, and, and if you haven't had a chance, go read Rick, Rick's article because uh, it's really good. Jackson, anything? Thought, 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 blah, 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 can I talk? Any thoughts there? <laughs> I, no, I, I, think, I, I, think, I think we put it pretty well. I think, you know, there will be 
many that can try and be as good as Scott Barry. Uh, this reminds me of a Bob Saget quote. Uh, my favorite comedian of all time is Norm MacDonald. He's one of my, like, like, like one of the most influential figures besides like someone that I know in person on, on my development as a person, just an incredibly talented, intelligent, funny comedian. And not a lot of people knew about him. He was on SNL for a while and, uh, but he didn't reach like the superstardom. But if you ask any comedian who their favorite comedian is, all of them will say Norm MacDonald. And the reason why I bring this up is because uh, Bob Saget has a quote and says, there may be people funnier. Sorry, there there may be people as funny as Norm MacDonald, but I've never met anyone funnier. And there may be coaches that can be as good as Scott Berry, but Mm -hmm. there will never be one better. Well, um, I think that's the best way to wrap up um, this baseball season and kind of put a final bow on it. You know, Jackson, we talked about the beginning of the season um, before you were on fourth street, you know, was the 2023 season Omaha or bust? And we all said, no, we all said that it was not Omaha bust because of the talent they were losing and all that stuff. And I still think that remains true. I don't think that this season was a failure because they didn't reach Omaha. You know, I think you look at where they were before that Coastal Series and where they became, you know, um, your, your Sunbelt champions. You win your third ever program regional and you host a Super Regional. I mean, I think this season was at, at an all-time success. And, you know, of course, everybody wanted to get to Omaha and – see what Southern Miss would have been like to, to play on that field and play in that type of environment, of course. But I don't see this season as a failure, and I think that Southern Miss fans can go away from the season, you know, being in awe of what Scott Barry did this season. Yeah, I, again, that's – that's, Southern Miss fans need to have their heads held high. This, is, this was a fantastic season, and – if nothing else, this gives you a whole lot to look forward to and it gives you assurance because we all saw the amount of talent that, that Southern Miss lost. And a lot of people, like I said at the beginning of the episode, thought this season was a bust. But this should quell this season should quell any doubts about next season. Because Southern Miss in every sport in everything about this school. It has an X man up mentality. It has a whole lot of grit. So I think, I think next season is going to be just as good. If not better, it's going to be a fun time. There's going to be, there's going to be a lot of Pete Taylor park magic riding with this team, wherever they go. For sure. All right. Well, that kind of wraps up baseball season. Um, Thank you to everybody who, followed us all throughout the spring and everything. I mean, we know how much baseball means to everybody and we want to bring you the um, type of coverage that it deserves because it is the one of the prominent sports in Southern Miss athletics. But now Jackson, we get to turn to, to me, the worst month of, of the year, which is July because there's no sports happening. So that kind of sucks. But 
Uh, it's going to give us some time for a much needed break. So this is going to be probably the last podcast you hear um, for at least three or four weeks. Um, we're going to give us a good bit of chunk of time to kind of break and kind of get ready for the fall. And the fall brings a whole nother um, type, which we're going to get into football season, um, Southern Miss football. Um, Sunbelt Media Day for football is in July. Um, you can be assured that we will be there um, for that and giving you coverage for that. So that'll probably be the next major thing that we do. Um, and we'll check the schedule and all that stuff. Um, but definitely still be following us on social media and all that stuff for updates throughout the MLB draft and um, everything to do with that. Um, for football season, um, it's going to be it's going to be fun. Um, you know, we're about I think we did the math. We're like 80 days out from football from 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 Alcorn State at the Rock on Saturday night, um, September 2nd, 6 p.m. kickoff. Um, so that's always fun when Alcorn State comes to Hattiesburg, you get to see the band and just a great atmosphere. It always, always is good to have Alcorn State be the first game, in my opinion, because they bring, always bring a good minute about a, a good amount of fans for them. And, uh, it's just always a fun game, um, no matter who wins or loses. Um, and then, you know, let's just run through this football schedule, I guess, real quickly, Jackson. We'll give the fans a little taste. Um, so you play Alcorn State, uh, week one and then you go on the road to, uh, really good Florida State team. Um, really cool. I, I like I like these uh, non-conference games that are like uh, not your typical at Alabama or you know whoever because you know when are the next time that Summers gets to play in Doak Campbell Stadium? I mean that's pretty cool right there. So um, you know not expecting a win obviously, but um, it, it'll be fun nonetheless. I think the next week will be probably the best game. Um, that Southern Miss plays uh, in that first four games. You play Tulane at home. Uh, obviously, Southern Miss won the bell last year. Be a really, really good game there uh, at home. And then you play on the road to open up the Sun Belt slate at Arkansas State, uh, Texas State at home, Old Dominion at home. Tough back-to-back road games at South Alabama and then at Appalachian State. You play ULM at home, then at Louisiana and then you get an, a weird uh, non-conference game at Mississippi State um, late in the season. Very, very interesting game. And then rounded out with Troy at home for senior day. So, uh, Jackson, first thoughts on the schedule and what you're looking forward to for football season? I mean, obviously 12-0, and 0, right? <laughs> yeah. That's so, as right now. <laughs> um, I oh, mean, my. I, we have a lot to teach this guy. <laughs> No, um, the cool thing is, is that I, I said this about, I said this about last year's schedule. What was so special about Southern Miss, uh, e- even though Southern Miss did go seven and six, was that there were no games on that schedule last year that felt unwinnable. And the ones that felt unwinnable as you entered, they were winnable by halftime. You know, I mean, if you look at Zach Wilkie's first ever game against Miami, the guy threw 200 yards and I think like two touchdowns, right? Yeah, something like that. And it was a little bit over 200 yards, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So over 200 yards in his first ever game, you know, uh, against Miami. And they took him to the ropes. And every game that felt unwinnable became winnable. 
And there was only one game that wasn't close, and that was just that weird home game against Georgia State where that triple option just cut up the Southern Miss defense. But every game on here, in some extent, is winnable. And so I'm very excited to see how things pan out. Uh, Dima just raised a big eyebrow at me, guys. Uh, he's like a Florida State. I'm just looking at a certain game in you know, the Sunshine State that I would deem I as unwinnable. I mean, look, like... Florida State it is Florida State's fine, you know they're like good and all, but they're they don't have a nasty bunch. But no, um, oh. I I think Southern Miss could come in there and surprise some people, especially depending on how the quarterback play is, because you know Southern Miss yeah. and what Will Hall has done. I mentioned that on my first ever appearance on Fortune as well, just saying I love everything about Will Hall. This guy is incredible the best thing possible for this program was Will Hall. And I'm so thankful that he's here. But uh, he said he wants a quarterback-driven offense, and he hasn't had that for a long time. But he's invested in the offensive line. He's invested in the running backs. They just picked up a transfer from Houston. or Not not even a transfer. I think they picked up a commitment from Houston High School, a pretty sought-after running back. Uh, yeah, through South Alabama was yeah three star that South Alabama was really wanting, and I mean, man, if Southern Miss can get can get more consistent quarterback play, and I, I know that it was kind of unrealistic because there were they, they didn't have a veteran lineup uh, at quarterback last year, but consistent consistent quarterback play um, could propel this team to win against Florida State to win against Mississippi State uh, if, if if all the pieces come together. So I'm excited to see because just like this upcoming baseball season, there were a lot of questions. You know, Jason Brownlee drafted, key players on the defense drafted, uh, Tykeem Doss, offensive lineman, undrafted free agent. Uh, lots of guys, Southern Miss lost, but I like this next man up mentality. So. Uh, Give me the Eags by 90. <laughs> um, yeah, I you know don't necessarily agree with all of that, but I will say that Southern Miss for sure is, um, you know, you're going to have really good linebacker play. You get most of your linebackers back. Secondary is a question for sure. Um, big question in the secondary. But I feel like your offense, I mean, you obviously your, your running back room is really strong. Um, your offensive line, you know, your first five guys are good. You lose one of those guys, you're in trouble. Um, but, um, you know, you like your wide receiver play, Jake Carius Caston. I mean, look what he did last season. And then Ty Mims, um, you like, you like your, you like your chances in offense. If, if you could just get a quarterback that could kind of run the show, which they haven't had the past two years. I mean, I don't think Southern Miss has had a quarterback who could consistently run the show in the Will Hall era. So if you, could get that, then you feel like you, you like your chances uh, against the schedule. Um, very tough schedule, though. I mean, I, I would say it's a, it's a brutal, brutal road schedule. I mean, going on the road to Florida State and South Alabama and App State and Louisiana and Mississippi State—that's a brutal road 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 draw. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens, um, and obviously, we'll give you as much coverage as we can. And uh, we'll get all that kind of gearing up soon. Um, 
end of July is football media day. And like I said, we'll be there for that and uh, getting a lot of good feedback from Will Hall and whoever he elects to bring with them. So uh, Jackson, any final thoughts on before we sign off for a couple of weeks? I just want to say thank you to, uh, to, to everybody who's been interacting with, uh, with whatever media we put out lately. Uh, Dima and I have talked many times off the show, just, how much 4th Street has grown, uh, how much we enjoy doing those live Twitter spaces uh, after after baseball games, how much we've enjoyed just walking around and talking with people. And, uh, I mean, I, I've, I sat in the stands for the Super Regional, and I had a couple people approach me like, hey, are you on a podcast? I was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you probably recognize my voice from how bad I'm heckling this bullpen. They're like, yeah, it's, it's a little surprising. And I'm like, it shouldn't be. <laughs> but... Just, I just wanted to thank everybody for listening. Uh, very big things will be coming this fall, and I, I'm excited to see uh, what me, Dima, and the rest of the Four Street crew can do because it's almost like Dima is that Carson Peta figure that, that we were talking about, and he is inheriting a whole new cast of people with me and other members of Fourth Street coming on. Uh, and everybody that left Fourth Street after they graduated, left some pretty big shoes to fill. But Dima's got this under control, and I'm excited what the rest of those new guys can bring. Uh, and I hope to grow, uh, just like most people hope with Coach Oz, I hope that we can uh, help grow the program a little bit more. And uh, I'm excited to see what, what we can do. For sure. Um, shout out to Charlie Luttrell, Jackson Howell, um, Austin Lindsay, Nathan Lee, all who spent countless hours working on the show this year. Um, this is technically the last show of the academic year. So, um, so the next show we have, while we'll still be in season five, I believe, I don't even know what season we're on, but it'll be the new academic calendar. Um, cause baseball season kind of wraps out the spring semester. So, um, yeah. So just shout out to them for all their work. Um, and like Jackson said, big shoes to fill, but Jackson, you know, you've been doing good, good job filling in those shoes. We want to thank you, sir, for coming on this past couple of weeks and jumping into this and, uh, yeah, a lot to look forward to in the fall. We got a couple hints. Um, Prince Pickham will be back. And so hopefully people who listened to that last fall know that I did win Prince Pickham. So I need to be dethroned, um, by one of these guys, whoever, comes on the show. Um, so we're, we, we're really looking forward to that. Cause that was a lot of fun from last season. Um, and, and I, and I think we're going to try to do like a meet and greet at one of the football games, uh, kind of like set up something where we can kind of meet y'all and kind of, uh, see face to face and stuff like that, but more info to come. Also, we want to try to do a potential like live zoom podcast where we bring in people to kind of come on the podcast and it'll be kind of like a Twitter space, but a little bit more, like we're just recording our podcast and y'all can be in the room if y'all wanted to and um, ask your questions, you know? So, um, but we'll, we'll let you know more information on that. And uh, as always, check us out on social media. I'm at Dima Mixon. He's at Jackson Kennedy and uh, follow us on fourth street sports show on social media. Follow, uh, go to the website, SM2.com to see all of our sports coverage while we're not talking your ears off. You can read. You can read us. Why not read us? It's cool. Cool to read. Um, and then you can also go to Southern Miss Studio Media on YouTube to find all of our content on there. 
Thanks so much for listening. For Jackson Kennedy, I'm Dina Mixon, and that was the 4th Street Sports Show. Come back next Monday at 5 on Southern Miss Radio. 4th Street Sports, baby.